Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. Everybody ready for a great day? Come on, come on. I am incredibly fired up about today. Glad that you are here if you're with us for the first time and you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on here? Why are these people so happy? And what's this massive karaoke that's going on with the words on the screen? What we are doing here is t- we've taken out some time to reorient our hearts around the person of Jesus. And we're saying, God, would you have your way in every single one of us? So we're trying to set a table because we're about to open up the scriptures together. And I'm going to do my best to make sure you and I both grow in our walk with God and understand who Jesus is and what he's wanting to do in and through our lives. So we're thrilled that you're here. Again, give a huge round of applause to all of our first-time guests. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, I want to hear from all the men for a second, all the men that are in the house, all the men. Can I hear from you for a second? Okay, okay, okay. Way to go, fellas. Well, at the end of August, we're having our next lineman event, and I am incredibly excited about this. All of us guys will be getting together here. I actually have a friend of mine coming in from out of town. His name is Mekon Carter. He's going to be preaching at the men's event and then also at the weekend services, and he's going to tear it up. And we're actually doing this huge, amazing race for all all the guys as well. We're going to be going all over Dallas, putting guys on different teams. It's going to be so much fun. So mark your calendars uh, with that for sure. Uh, and it's on the horizon. Now, today we are about to dig into the Bible. You guys ready with me? You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? I got, I'll go to Psalm 92, if you wouldn't mind. Psalm 92. As you're turning there, I don't know if it's possible with the camera because we don't have the side ones manned during this uh, service. But where did Lori Beth go? Hey, stand up here, Lori Beth. This right here is Lori Beth. Uh, camera, can you do anything? Can she be in this? Stay, stay, stay right there. We're going to go to the other shot right here. I want to make sure people get to see Lori Beth. That's still not on that shot yet because I don't see red. There's the red, but maybe not on the other one. That's okay. Uh, Lori Beth, give, it, give her another big, huge round of applause right here. Lori Beth uh, was a part of our church from the very, very beginning. She's moved away to Colorado, but she just came back today. And I just want to say thank you for all of your faithfulness for all those years. She was a part of our tech team, the strongest person in the church. You have never seen someone so tiny lifting things that were so incredibly heavy but with a heart of gold, she served week in and week out. And all of you who weren't here at that time, you're standing on the shoulders of someone that sacrificed so much for so many years. So incredibly thankful uh, for you. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Beautiful imagery here. He's really saying, the psalmist is saying, like a palm tree, you'll bend but not break. Like a cedar of Lebanon, you'll be strong, durable, able to last. People can build palaces with your life. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Everybody say planted. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green 
proclaiming, this is what the righteous are going to say. They're going to say, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no wickedness in him. He is good. He is good. He is good. I don't know what you have heard about God, but let me just announce to you that he is good. He is not against you. He is for you. He is finch. His fist is not clenched towards you. As a matter of fact, his arms are open wide, and you and I have been made righteous not because of our own work, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. His finished work on the cross has made every single one of us right with God. There was an exchange that happened. Our righteousness for his righteousness, and his righteousness for our righteousness. And now you and I have been made whole as a result of that, not because of anything you and I have done, but because of his own mercy and grace. He is my rock planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish. The title of today's message is Gardens and Greenhouses. Gardens and Greenhouses. When my wife and I uh, first got married, uh, this is our, our second home. We had uh, we're able to buy a home uh, when we were living in Oklahoma. Then we moved down uh, to Austin, and we moved in next to the cutest older couple, okay, uh, basically elderly couple. Beautiful gray hair, sweet couple. They were retirees. They had grandbabies. They were adorable. And here we are. We're brand spanking new, married, no kids, living the life, and then we're living next to uh, this couple in Austin. It was so wonderful. The mom, the, uh, the wife would bring over to our home little goodies at different times and saying, hey, I was thinking about you, Earl and Onika. Uh, we, would, we would love it. Uh, she would actually bring over, and the husband would bring over tomatoes because they had a garden. I don't know. If you've ever had a garden, uh, had a tomato from like an actual garden, it's totally different than a tomato you'll have at the grocery store. The flavor, the, I mean, it's like so alive. It bursts in your mouth. You can eat it almost like an apple. Delicious. So my wife and I are eating these tomatoes. We're like, oh, my goodness, where are these from? Acting like we never had a tomato before, licking our fingers and everything. Like, oh, my goodness. This. And we think, hey. We need to plant a garden. That's what we need to do. Let's have our own garden in the backyard. We'll have our own tomatoes. And we thought about that for about 2.7 seconds. And then we came to our senses because we kill fake plants. Okay, that's the gift that my wife and I have. (laughs) If you give us any plant, any type of foliage, just so you know, You have given it a death sentence. The moment you hand it to us, like, oh, I love you. I'm thinking about you. Thank you for being my pastors. That plant is dead. It's as good as dead at that point in time. The reality is this. Gardens take work. I mean, a lot of work. So many pests and squirrels and weeding. There's so much that goes into a garden. You cannot plant it. And forget it. You can't. You cannot plant it and forget, forget it. Now, you and I both know you can't do that with a garden. But it's also true in our life. You can't just plant it and forget it. You can't just plant a marriage and then forget it. I do. I do. Yes, go on our honeymoon. You plant it. 
But if you choose to forget that marriage, there will be all types of junk that will grow in that marriage. If you want a business that's going to do anything significant, you cannot plant it and then forget it. You've got to get your hands in there. You've got to get dirty, okay? You, you have to be willing to get dirty. You have to be willing to get down on your knees. You have to be willing to be in the muck and the mire. If you want to have a relationship, you want to have a business, you want to have anything that's going to last, anything that's going to be significant, you cannot just plant it and forget it. You can't say, well, we went on a date six years ago, so I don't know what the problem with our marriage is. I bought him a gift, you know, three years ago on Father's Day, and I don't know what the big deal is. I brought her breakfast in bed two and a half years ago. I don't know why she's tripping. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> you don't get to do that. You can't plant it and forget it. If you do, what will grow? Weeds. The only thing that takes no effort and energy to grow in your garden, <laughs> weeds. You don't have to pray for weeds. You don't have to ask God for weeds. You don't have to do that. You just, just leave it unattended. Just don't touch it for some period of time. And it's fascinating how the weeds will find their way into whatever situation that was planted, that was positive, that started right. The weeds will come in. And what the weeds do is they are unwanted plants that are trying to take the nutrients away. They're trying to remove the life from the thing that you actually want to have life. And the weeds here, they might on, 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 on the surface look kind of good. But underneath the soil, they're sucking life from the thing that you want to see grow. We, uh, at our house right now, I uh, had to get a new uh, lawn guy, okay? Um, because my last one, I just don't feel like he was on point. Like, I, I like, now that I'm an old man, I need my lawn to look good, right? So I need it to be edged up, right? And I just, I, was, I wasn't feeling like he was doing a good job. So I went with somebody else uh, in the neighborhood. Now I do have two sons. So it's only a matter of time before I will no longer be paying anyone to do my lawn. And I will have these two sons, and they will be working their behinds off. Right now, my oldest son has allergies, so he can't. He can't be out there. And I'm saying, honey, why can't he put on a mask? How come he can't do that outside? Just a little filter. She's like, no, honey, we don't want to go to the hospital. I'm like, hospital, whatever. But anyway... One day, I will not be paying for my lawn to be done, but I was out there uh, just the other day uh, with my new lawn guy, and I'm looking at my flower bed, and I'm going, oh, boy. This does not look good, okay? There's not a ton of black people in the neighborhood anyway, and now... <laughs> Come on. I'm going, I got to represent here. I got to represent... Obama was president. I'm going to have to represent. <laughs> so I'm looking at this flower bed. It is, it is not right now. From the street, it looks good. I got these rose bushes or something. I don't, I don't even know how they got there. Someone else planted them. But it looks from the street, it looks good. But when you get up close, you start seeing all this junk, all these weeds in there. I feel like that's some of our Instagram posts, some of our Facebook life. From afar, you're like, ooh look at him 
but you get up close enough, this has not been tended to for quite some time. Someone needs to get in here and weed some stuff out of your life because there are some things growing right now that should not be growing in your life. There are some mindsets that you have that you ought not have, and this thing looks good on an Instagram post. But now I'm in this conversation with you, and I'm discovering rather quickly. That's what you can't judge a book by its cover. Weeds, they grow. So I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking God started with man in a garden. Of all places to put us, he put us in a garden. Genesis chapter 2, look at this. Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. And no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. And there was no one to work the ground. Let me give you a quick little revelation, if you will, that popped off the page at me. I'm trying not to read too much into this text. But it sounds as if Moses is saying here, no plant had sprung up. Why had it not sprung up? Because the Lord God had not sent down rain, and there was no man yet there to work the ground. It's telling me that there seems to be a seed in the ground, but God had not sent what he can send, and nor did a man bring what he could bring. So that's why the seed lie dormant. There was the potential of the seed was not realized because God didn't give what God could give, and man didn't give what he could give. But streams came up the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Skip down with me to verse number eight. Now the Lord God had planted a what? A garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he formed. Genesis chapter two, verse number 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the what? In the garden of Eden. To do what with it? To work it and take care of it. To Work it and take care of it. God put the man in the garden to work it and take care of it. To work it and take, to take care of it. To work it and to take, long before Rihanna, to work it and take care of it. To work, 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 work and, and to, take, to take care of it. He, before the fall, before sin entered humanity, before we had a chance to eat of the forbidden fruit, God called humanity to work. Your work is actually part of your worship. Stop hating your job so much. Stop wishing that you just work at the church all the time. The reality is we cannot have everyone work at the church. We need some people to work at the church, but we need most people to work outside of the church. That is your mission field. That is where God has called you. And if everybody worked at the church, who's going to be the salt and light in the world? We need you going into IBM. We need you going into Toyota. We need you going into our universities. We need you in the education. We need 
you all over the place being the hands and the feet of Jesus. That is your mission field. Your work is not something that should be set aside. Something that God gave humanity, and he said in this garden, I want you to work it. I want you to take care of it. And he says, Adam, you're not going to be able to do a good enough job yourself. I need to give you a superintendent, someone that will tell you what to do, when to do it. So though he gave Eve, and then Eve came into man's life to tell him, oh, no, don't put that there. Put that over here. But there they are in the garden. They're working it. They're, take care. They're taking care of it. They're working it. They're taking care of it. They're working it. They're taking care of it. Here is what God did with Adam in the beginning. When I was preparing this message, I, I felt a little concerned. I felt a little concerned that you might think you're the one that needs to tend to your garden and to keep everything in order. And I feel like that's just not biblical. As a matter of fact, the Bible says of Jesus, it says Jesus is the second Adam. So that tells me, if I'm reading this right, the first Adam was called to take care of the garden. Now the second Adam, Jesus, is called to take care of the garden as well, the church, you and I. So you and I are not responsible to prune and to cut and to weed our own lives. We actually have a Savior that has his eyes on us and can get into our lives and weed and cut and prune the things that need to be weeded and cut. Because here's the reality. You'll cut things in your life that should not be cut. You'll prune things that should not be pruned. You'll remove things that should not be removed. And you'll put things in your life that should not be in your life. What we need is a Savior that knows I know you. I know the plans I have for you. I know you better than you know yourself. I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. I fashioned you and formed you. And since I know you, let me tend to the garden of your life. We've been in this series called New Wine, and we've just been talking so much about the pressing, so much about the crushing, so much about the cutting. And what we need to understand is we have a Savior that does this for us. He is working in our lives right now, trying to shape us and mold us into who he is calling us to be. He is working this garden. He is taking care of this garden. Would you and I please surrender? Can we please stop fighting with the gardener? What, what, what tomato plant looks at the gardener and says, hey, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing here. I know what I'm doing. I got this. You don't have it. How many of us have ruined whole sections of our life? Come on, can we keep it real in here? You look back and you go, oh my, what was I thinking? Why did I ever go out with him? What was I thinking? I knew she was crazy the moment I saw her on eHarmony. What in the world was I thinking? There are seasons that we have, seasons that we have, we look back on our lives where we were trying to tend to our own garden and we just messed things up. But I'm telling you, we got a savior, man. We got a savior that's like, I want to get in there. I'm willing to get dirty. I'm willing to get down in your life. As a matter of fact, what a gardener will do sometimes is they will actually dump manure. Fertilizer. And it's not to cover you up and kill you. It's actually 
to enrich the soil around you so that you will grow and become who God is calling you to be. Many times we're binding the devil, telling him to get out of here, devil, get out. And the Lord's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I need you to grow. But in order for you to grow, you're going to have to go through some. Fertilizer. <laughs> Yo, we're filling the blank with something that's not all that holy right here. Just, I, I know it. I know. It. I don't even think those words. So you, you and I, you and I will grow with this nourishment. We got a great gardener. He's coming in to our life saying, son, daughter, come on, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me work in your life. Let me work in your life. Stop, stop pushing me away. Stop pushing me away. Let, let me get in there, okay? I've got the tools that I need to help you become who you've been called to be. A garden, when you see it, a garden is planned, okay? It's planned. A gardener says, hey, I, I want to do something in this space. So let me set up this boundary and let me plant some zucchini over here, put some squash here, and I'll put tomatoes over here, and I'll put some melons over here, and, and I'm, I'm just going to be coming around, and I'm just going to watch. And after he plants these things, he has an expectation on what he planted. He's an expectation that it will grow. The, the, no, no one plants a garden. Thinks, okay, I put all the seeds in the ground. I just hope those, those seeds stay nice and cuddly and covered up for the rest of their life. I hope I created an environment secure enough for the seeds to stay exactly how they are forever. Oh, I'm going to come and water this, and I'm going to weed it, but I hope that seed doesn't grow at all. Seed, you just stay comfortable. Seed, what's okay with you? Seed, are you all right? Seed, how can I accommodate you? Seed, how can I bend towards you? Seed, are you, are, are you pleased with me? No, no, no. There's not a gardener that does that. The gardener says, hey, there is a seed here, but I don't want you to stay in seed form forever. What I'm wanting to do is I want to see you burst out of the ground. I want to see you come out of the dirt. I want to see some roots grow deep. I want to see you become what I destined for you to be. And I'm going to do everything in my power to work your environment to help you become what's on the inside of you. This is what the gardener does. This is what your Savior is trying to do with your life. When you're, when you're single, you might think that your single life is just about you. You're tempted to live your life for your pleasures, for your fame, for your glory, to climb whatever ladder. And the reality is your singleness is not ultimately about you. The scriptures teach us that your singleness was a gift given to you so that you can attend to the Lord without distraction. God has not given you a spouse yet so that you can keep your eyes fixed on him. 
Because once these other things come into your world, you now have to care for these other things. But right now, God is saying, keep your eyes fixed on me. Don't waste this season that I've given you right here. I want to do some things in you and through you right now. Stop wishing for the future. Right now, I've got you in this form. So many of us sometimes with our marriages, our spouse, we thought we married them so they could make us happy. (laughs) Then you were married for a little while, you realize, oh my gosh. You can't make me happy. You can make me mad as heck, but you, you can't make me happy. Here's the reality. God didn't give you your spouse to make you happy. He gave you your spouse really to make you holy, to help you be changed and transformed into who he is calling you to be. And your almighty savior put the right person in your life at the right time because he knew what you would need so he could get the weeds out of your life that he needed to get out of your life. And you and I are fighting with the very one that God put into our life to help us become who he destined for us to be. We're shushing the very gift that God has given us. Weed. Weed, 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 weed. I don't want anything else taking away from the nourishment of this seed growing into all that it's called to be. Gardens and greenhouses, greenhouses and gardens. They were always designed to have growth. You don't go to one and want to see everything dead. You want to see it alive. The same is true for your life and mine. Um, there were four things when we started this church that we felt we needed. Can I give you a little commercial break just for a second? Four things we felt like we needed, we needed to have. We knew we needed to have a church that was going to rely on the presence of God, the person of Jesus Christ. We knew it. People have been kind to say nice things about my wife and I and the team, but just so you know, that does not go to my head at all. Because I recognize that if God does not breathe out, we don't breathe in. This church was never designed to be some platform for me. This church is here because Jesus said, I want to be lifted up. And when I'm lifted up, I'll draw men and women unto myself. That's what we are about here. We're about lifting up the person of Jesus. This is not some personality-driven church. This is the person of Christ-driven church. And Jesus is the one that can break chains. Jesus is the one that can make lives brand new. Jesus is the one that can bring healing and salvation. It is not me. It's him. We want to do all we can to make it much about him. But not only do we know we had to have the presence of God, we also knew we wanted to remember the one. It's good to sit, sit shoulder to shoulder. That's great. But we wanted to make sure we also sat face to face. You got to have times where you're looking people eyeball to eyeball, knowing each other's names. So from the very beginning, we've always been about, hey, you want to go out to eat? Hey, you want to come hang out? Hey, you want to come to my connect group? Hey, you want to do community together? Hey, you want to be in each other's lives? We've always been about that. That's why we have this mingle time. It's not just to to take up time. It's because we're going to force you (laughs) to say hi to somebody around you. Because it's easy to try to slip in and slip out and leave and no one know your name. And we don't want that type of church. We want to have the type of church where we're in community together. That when you're in the highs of highs, that we're right there with you. And when you're in the lows of lows, we're right there with you. We want to be a church that's a family. Not some event. Remember the one. 
resources. We knew we had to have them. I used to be really afraid to talk about money. You know, church and money and people, are, oh, the church is all about your money. So I, I used to be so concerned talking about this. I'm not concerned anymore. Because I know there are real people on the other side of our giving. Money is amoral. It just takes on the nature of whoever's, whoever's holding it. If you're generous, your money will be generous. And if you're stingy, your money will be stingy. That, your money is just a reflection of you. So don't put it on me that I'm all about money because I know that I'm not about money. But if you're thinking that about yourself, that's probably true. I'm talking we need resources to make it on earth as it is in heaven. We need to fund the vision. It's got to happen. So not only do we need all these things, I also, man, I knew we had to raise up leaders. Had to. Jesus did it. Grab these disciples. Raise them up. Next week, I can't wait. I'm, I cannot wait for next week's message. I pray your heart is incredibly encouraged because you can see Jesus raising people up, helping them become who he called them to be. As he is raised, Jesus, here's the truth. The gospel did not go global until Jesus left. That's when it went global. While he was here on the earth, it was rather confined to a small area. But once he left and he had poured himself into the disciples and they are filled up with the Holy Spirit. Now the message of Jesus Christ goes to the world and you and I are here today because Jesus was a master at raising up leaders. The Bible calls it making disciples. So for you and I here, we have a peer pressure in this church for you to grow. We do. We want you to become all that God is destined for you to be. We want you to step fully into it. We want you to develop and grow into who God is calling you to be. So that's why at our church we're about to start something called Growth Track. We have put a plan in place to take our entire church family from who they are right now to who God is calling them to be. And it, the, the open door, the front door to that is growth track. And after being on growth track for a little while, we actually have set up a whole leadership track as well where we are going to be pouring in to the six major areas of your life to help you become who God is calling you to be. Everything from the, the, theology all the way to you serving others, all the way to your emotional and relational intelligence, all the way to your character being formed, all the way to you growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ spiritually, all the way to all the practical areas of your life, of your physical body and your financial life. We are trusting God that we will be an incubator of growth and development in this church family. We are about raising up leaders, not spectators. This church, this church is an incubator for your development. We have a our worship pastors, their names are uh, Rachel and Alan Tuttle. They're awesome. I love them so much. Their oldest child, um, Law, and when he was first born, uh, he, had to, he had to be in an incubator for quite some time. And, and why did the doctors put him in an incubator? Because there was life there, but they had to put him in an environment that would help that life continue to grow. So when God was looking at your life and all that he put on the inside of you, 
He had you find some Instagram post or had you sit next to that one coworker, or had you drive past the church or had you read some article or had you somehow some way stumble on Facebook with this place called Shoreline City. And it was not so that you could just attend. It was because God said, I need to put you in a place where your life can begin to flourish and come to places that you never even thought possible. And I'm going to put you here and plant you. So this can be an incubator of your development and growth. Everybody shout, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. I, you and I don't want to be the same. Come on, church. We don't want to be the same. I want to grow. God, if you got it in me, pull it out of me. God, if you got a call on my life, then use me for your glory. I don't want all this stuff to stay within me. Let me give you some verses. Let me give you some verses. Let me give you some verses, okay? Just, I got I to ground this inscription. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, until we all reach unity in the faith. All of us reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. I don't want to be a baby forever. I don't want people to have to feed me forever. Give me a bottle. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. I don't like this. I don't like that. Feed me. I don't want you to be an infant forever tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people that we meet at work or see on TV or wherever it might be and in their deceitful scheming instead speaking the truth in love we will what's the word grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament what does it do it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work shout I want to grow Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 10 for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives us so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God say I want to grow Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18 but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and forever amen and amen John chapter 15 verse number 8 this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples shout I want to grow Psalm 92 verses 12 through 15 let me read it again the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll bend but not break. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Strong, durable. Planted in the house of the Lord. Not going from church to church to church to church to church to church to church. Planted. Roots deep. Family accountability, encouragement. Somebody knows my name. I know somebody else's name. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Shout, I want to grow. I want to grow. 
I want to grow in my marriage. I want to grow in my mindset. I want to grow in my singleness. I want to grow in my leadership. I want to grow in my potential. I want to grow in my capacity. I want to die empty. When I get to the grave one day and they're given a eulogy, I want everything that God put on the inside of me to have been spent for the cause of Jesus Christ. I don't want to bring anything with me to heaven. I want to leave everything here on this earth. God, I want to grow. Take me, mold me, shape me, weed me, cut me, prune me, and use my life for your glory. I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow and be all that he called me to be. I want to grow. This is the peer pressure you'll feel in this church. People can say, well, don't you just love me exactly how I am? Yeah. More importantly, God does. But that's not an excuse to stay the same. That's not an excuse not to grow. Don't you love me exactly how I am? Yes. Come on in, arms open wide. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus. You don't have to get everything together, know a bunch of scripture, and have your life perfect. No, we all came in here broken, limping. The reality is a lot of us are still broken and limping, but for the grace of God. But that grace of God does not keep us the way we are. The grace of God gets involved in our lives and says, son and daughter, I've got so much more for you. I want to grow. I want to grow. I don't want a church filled with just a bunch of babies. You can come in as a baby. We're going to grow. You can't have a 38-year-old baby. Acts chapter 5. I'm done. I'm done right here. Acts chapter 5, verse number 30. Acts chapter 5, verse number 30 says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus you killed by hanging him on a tree. You hung him on a tree, the cross. So think about this. The symbol of hope, salvation, restoration, forgiveness, new life. The symbol started as a seed and then in order for Jesus to fulfill his potential that seed had to grow and one day it was cut down and it was about to fulfill its purpose to be the thing the cross the tree that our savior would hang on And then one day, for generations to come, the world would find hope looking at that tree. If that seed never grew, it would have impacted the destiny of our Savior. I'm telling you, your growth is not even just about you. 
I'm telling you, it's not for your dreams to come true. I'm telling you, it's not for you to be happy. I'm telling you, your growth is actually about somebody else's dreams coming true. And all of us are interconnected here. And as I grow and you grow, all of us mature together and become who God is calling us to be. Shout, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. To you mind, church family, bow your heads for just a moment. If you're here today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. Never made him boss of your life. But you're under the sound of my voice right now. You're saying, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I don't want to be on my own path. I want to be on his path. Put another way, you're in the driver's seat of your life and Jesus is not. But today you don't want to be in your own way anymore. You want to surrender your heart and your life to serving him. If that is you here, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. Or at one point in time you did and you slipped away. Whether you're on the floor, on the balcony, watching online, wherever you may be. Right now this is your moment to surrender or your moment to re-surrender your life to serving Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something incredibly bold. On the count of three, shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand in the air. Shoot your hand in the air saying, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I don't want to be boss of my life anymore. I want him to be boss of my life. Come on. Come on. Who else wants to get in on this prayer? I see hands going up all over this place. This is your moment to respond to his grace. He's drawing you closer right now. If you wouldn't mind, everyone in this place, put your hand over your heart. Everyone put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, church. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we'd love to know you, meet you, and hear your story. So be sure to email your information to info at shorelinecity.church so we can get you the tools you need to grow in Christ and impact this world. Love you, church.